In this week's Parsha, we read about one of the very um, tragic stories in the Torah that happened at a very great time for us historically. And that is on the first day that the Mishkan was finally um, erected. We know that the Jewish people have been waiting now for the Mishkan for um, almost a half a year because it's uh, since Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai with the second Luchas on Yom Kippur. And uh, then he gave them over the laws and the mitzvah of building the Mishkan, and they gathered all the materials, and they built it. And now, it's a half a year later, and for seven days before Rosh Chodesh Nisan, every day the Mishkan is put up and taken down, and that's the days of Chinuch, the days of consecration of the Mishkan. And finally, it's the eighth day, which is Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and on that day, the Mishkan is going to be fully established, and the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, is going to come down and rest with the Jewish people. And it's on that day, as Aaron HaKohen, the Aaron the Kohen Godel, is preparing to do this tremendous Avedah of, um, of bringing the Korbanes, bringing the sacrifices, and causing the Shekhinah, as we said, the Divine Presence, to rest with the Jewish people, that the Pasuk says that Aaron's two oldest sons, Nodav and Avihu, come into the Mishkan, and they offer a sacrifice that the Torah calls an Eish Zara. Literally, it means a, a, a fire that's that's Zara. It's strange. It doesn't belong there. And as they're bringing the sacrifice in the Mishkan, Hashem, a fire comes down from Hashem and, and kills them. And both of Aaron, the Kohen Godel's two sons, die in the Mishkan on the day that the Mishkan begins to truly function. And... One might think perhaps Aaron's two sons weren't such great people, perhaps that they were uh, they were not holy or not tzaddikim, but we know the very opposite. Rashi tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu turns to Aaron and says, I knew from Hashem that someone who is extremely close to Hashem would be taken from us on the day that the Mishkan is fully functioning. And I thought, said Moshe, that it would be me, Moshe Rabbeinu, or you, Aaron. I didn't realize that these two men are even greater than us, even closer to Hashem than us. In other words, we're talking here about tremendous tzaddikim, very holy people, very wise people, and yet they were taken from us on the day that the Mishkan was built. And the question is why? What exactly did they do? And the Pasuk is very unclear. The Pasuk just says they brought a fire that the fire was considered strange to Hashem. But why? Why was it strange? And Rashi on the parsha brings two um, commentary, two um, opinions. He says Rabbi Eliezer, Eimer, Rabbi Eliezer says that Aaron's sons died because they they acted before Moshe Rabbeinu without asking his opinion. In other words, being that they made the decision to bring the sacrifice, they didn't ask the opinion of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's why they died. So in other words, it's not that they did something really wrong with what they were doing, it's just they didn't get permission. They didn't ask Moshe Rabbeinu. And then Rashi brings another opinion from Rabbi Shmuel. He says that they drank wine before they came into the Besamekdash. So they came in um, drunk or inebriated, which one is not allowed to do, as the Pasuk continues to say. So here we have two opinions in Rashi, Rabbi Yezer and Rabbi Shmuel, as to why Aaron's sons died on that first day. Rebbe Leezer says because they didn't get permission for what they did from Moshe Rabbeinu, who was their teacher. And Rabbi Shmuel says because they came into the Mishkan drunk. Now obviously, 
Both of these explanations leave much room to discuss, but I want to focus on one point, which is, what's the message here? What's the message and what's the lesson to us from this great tragedy of the death of Aaron's sons, um, based on the reasons that are given for why they were killed? So Rebbe Yezer says, because they didn't get permission from Moshe Rabbeinu. What's, what, what Rebbe Yezer is saying is the following. Um, all of us know the importance of having teachers, and having humility to um, towards our teachers, to receive from them and to follow how they guide us and teach us. One of the basic um, important messages of the Mishnah, that everyone must have a teacher. Everyone must be humble enough to receive from someone greater than themselves. Now, the challenge of sticking to what one's teacher tells them is greater the greater one is. The wiser one is, the greater one is, the harder it is for that person to have true humility for another. Because after all, the person themselves is very great and very wise and is a teacher to many as well. So what we have here is two people who are tremendous tzaddikim. They themselves are very great people. And nevertheless, they're being critiqued because they acted without getting permission, without discussing it, without hearing the opinion of their teacher. And it's interesting that the one saying this is Rabbi Eliezer. Because Rabbi Eliezer himself one of the great or one of the greatest sages of the Mishnah, um, the greatest disciple of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, and about Rabbi Eliezer, it says tremendous, um, tremendous things are written about him. Um, it's written about him such things like uh, the Medrash says in Shir Hashirim that the stone on which he would sit was seen as, was looked at as Har Sinai, and Rabbi Eliezer, who was sitting on the stone, was looked at as the Aron himself. In Pirkei Avos, it says about Rabbi Yezer that he was like an iron cistern, an iron pit that never um, never lost anything that he learned, retained everything. So Rabbi Yezer was this tremendous sage of the Mishnah. Yet, Rabbi Yezer himself in the Gemara says that one who says over things that he didn't hear from his teacher, he just makes them up on his own and is not some way rooted and founded on what he heard from his teacher, Rabbi Yezer says that person affects that the Shechina, that the divine presence um, is removed from the Jewish people. In other words, Rabbi Eliezer personified this ultimate humility, that although he was the greatest of the great, the wisest of the wise, the greatest tzaddik, he had this tremendous level of humility, specifically towards his teachers. And whenever he would say Torah, he would in some way show how that's based on what he learned from his teachers. And that's why it's Rabbi Eliezer who when he looks at the actions of the sons of Aaron, was able to discern that what was the problem? That yes, they were great tzaddikim, and yes, they were holy men, and yes, what they were doing was good, but they did it, they had a teacher. Moshe Rabbeinu was there. How could one act in front of the teacher without asking, without checking, without making sure they're on the right path? That was their sin, said Rabbi Eliezer. So therefore, the message, the message from that is so obvious to us that even when we feel wise, and even when we feel knowledgeable, we always have to have that humility and understanding that everyone needs a teacher. Everyone needs someone to look up to for guidance and to make sure that what they're doing is truly correct. That's as far as the first explanation, this explanation of Rebbe Liezer. The second one is from Rabbi Yishmael. Rabbi Yishmael says, as we said, that they were drunk when they came into the Beis HaMikdash. And obviously this is so hard to understand. Um, we're talking here, as we said, about great tzaddikim. Um, so what, they're drunkards? <laughs> Why were they drunk? And, and and also, it sounds like the problem is only because they were drunk when they came into the Beis Hamikdash or the Mishkan. 
But otherwise, it's okay that they were drunk. I mean, why would drunkenness be a positive thing at all? So the Rebbe explains in a sikha, and he says that when we're talking here about drunkenness, we're not talking about that they overdrink of wine or alcoholic beverages. Um, obviously, we're talking about such great tzaddikim. We're talking about something deeper than that. Rather, the concept wine in Torah, specifically in the esoteric parts of Torah, wine is always, which is so full of flavor, is um, used as an analogy for the knowledge and the understanding of Torah, specifically the secrets of Torah. And when one learns and one understands and one appreciates <coughs> the depths of the secrets of the depth of the secrets of Torah, one could be drunk, so to speak, with their knowledge, with their understanding, with what they're able to attain in their um, in their in their understanding of Torah. And in fact, the Gemara says in the Yerushalmi Gemara in the Jerusalem Talmud about a great sage of the Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Loi, that someone once came to him, it says a certain queen who, who talked to him, and she says, you look like you're drunk. Your face looks inflamed like you're drunk. And he says, it's not wine. I'm drunk from Torah. I'm drunk from the knowledge, from the Talmud that I have, that I learned, that I'm thinking about all the time. So here we see that the Gemara itself says that drunkenness on a much deeper level is when one is totally consumed by the learning and the understanding and the appreciation of the secrets of the Torah. So therefore, when Aaron's sons are drunk, they're, they're, they're drunk with wine, that means that they're drunk with the understandings of Torah, the beauty of Torah, the secrets of Torah. Well, then the question is, what's the problem? What's wrong? The answer is, because with that drunkenness, they went into the Mishkan. When one goes into the Mishkan, that's when one is going to stand before Hashem. It's like in our life, when we go to Davin, when we say Shimon Esrei, when we're talking to God Himself, to Hashem Himself. True, there's a tremendous importance in learning and understanding and being consumed with our understanding of the secrets of Torah and the, and the, and the length and the breadth of Torah. True. That's all not while we're standing in front of Hashem. When a person stands in front of Hashem, when a person davens to Hashem, every person, as great and as wise and as knowledgeable as they are, they stand before Hashem with humility, like a like a servant stands before their king. And that's why Shemona Esrei, which is the high point of our davening, is we daven quietly, silently, and it's a time of just a humble servant talking before Hashem. And that was the message of Rabbi Shmuel, that of course, these were great, tremendously great people. The problem is, when they went in and stood before Hashem, they came along with their greatness, with their understanding, with their feelings, with the, with their being consumed with their knowledge and understanding, and that was their critique. That was the critique on their avoid on what they did. And that's the second lesson for us over here, that yes, we have to learn, and yes, we have to understand, and drunkenness in this way is truly a positive thing, yet we have to know that there comes a moment when we do stand before Hashem in prayer, in davening, and at that point we, we stand like a simple person, like a simple servant, before our Father in Heaven. Have a wonderful Shabbos.